bless you all. An appropriate song to open with. I thought if I ever had a chance to get the pulpit, I would just take a minute and just personally thank each and every one for your prayers and your encouragement and the, the meals from the sisters as my wife and I have gone through this trial this past uh, eight or nine months, and I'm just happy to report that she had something, and now, she's, now it's, she doesn't have it, and we're just very, very grateful. I want to thank the Lord. The Lord made it exceptionally easy under the circumstances for us. And um, sorry, I just want to say how much I love you guys. Thank you so much. Why don't we sing? Stand together. I want to sing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper. Amen. He's a real God. Where would we be without Him? You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are Thank you. 
mercies, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How great thou art. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the morning when I rise. In the morning when I Just 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like to ask our brother Joe Waldner, brother Joe, if you'd come and pray for us tonight. I don't have any written needs or any requests that are recorded, but if you have a need on your heart, the Lord is mindful and he's here for you. Make it personal. Amen. tonight in our hearts, Father. We come before thee, O gracious Heavenly Father. You're called wonderful counsel, the mighty God, the great Jehovah, the Alpha, the Omega. And we come to worship you, O God, to pour our hearts out to thee, O God. Lord, to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, for you loved us with an undying love that you gave yourself for us, Father. And the least we have is to come and worship you and to sit at thy feet as Mary did, Lord. She had the greater portion, O God. So we tonight, Father, we come to sit at thy feet, to praise thee, to love, make love to thee, to adore you, Father, O God, because you're the one and only true God. And we thank thee, Heavenly Father, for thy grace that is with us, Father, how you loved us with an undying love, Father, O God. So tonight, Heavenly Father, we just pray, dear God, that you'll open up the word to us, folks. Jesus, pour in, your, pour in a blessing to us, Father, O God. Anoint your servant mightily, O God, that he'll bring forth the words of life, Father, that we might draw closer to you, Lord, and to learn of thee as we sit at thy feet, as Mary did, Lord. So we come before thee, Father. We thank you for your goodness towards us this day, your loving kindness, Father. We ask in your wonderful name that you will bless us with song and worship and prayer. In your lovely name, Lord Jesus Christ, we ask this. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Brother Joe. Let's have our seats. And let's go to 216. He has made me glad. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. Amen. I feel like celebrating tonight. I feel like worshiping the Lord. Amen. I hope so. <clears throat> I will enter his gates with thanksgiving.
over to Brother Mike tonight. Let's just stand together. Let's sing I Speak the Name of Jesus.
Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of our Lord God. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we stand in just a presence, Lord, that we so love and always long to be in so continually. Lord, from the ramparts of glory, I can imagine as you hear your people start to praise your name, to say there's no other name but the name of Jesus. I speak the name of Jesus. Lord, it must just warm your very heart. Say, there's my people. They believe in my word. They're worshiping me. I'm their God. I'm their Savior. Lord, and you come down in our midst, for you dwell in the praises of your people. Oh, God, we so thank you that you provided us, Lord, with the Lord a Savior, provided us with a healer. Oh, that other people have, they don't have, Lord, the ability to call on the name of Jesus. But Lord, if we could just spread this great gospel, if we can live our lives worthy of the gospel amongst our family, amongst our colleagues, Lord, they could see Jesus on display. And we could tell them there's a healer in your midst. There's a savior in their midst. There's one that can break chains in your midst. It's the same one that broke the chains of legion, Lord, by thy word you spoke and broke darkness, O oh God. Lord, tonight you're the same God. You're the same one. You're the same Hebrews 13, 8 here today. So I pray, Lord Jesus, you move in this little meeting. We invite you. We've sung your praises. And Lord, we desire now that you move. Stir hearts. Lord, penetrate the realms of the soul as only your word can, we pray. So we commit the remainder of this service into your hands in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Just seems to be an anthem, isn't it? That we have here, I speak the name of Jesus. Become a favorite, I'm sure, of our hearts. Thank you, musicians. Appreciate that. We can turn to the scripture tonight. We can turn to 2 Samuel 15. Just want to pass greetings from our pastor, Brother Bisco. He's Sister Ruth. They've been watching intently, and they're connected and streaming, and just so enjoying the services, and they wanted to make sure that we passed... Their greetings along to you. So on just a little note, a little reminder for next weekend, those that are 18 up, just please just put your name register so we can order food appropriately. If you plan to be there, we'd like you to have a plate when dinner time comes, or you'll fast for the weekend, which is okay. This might be unintentional. I was so thrilled to hear Brother uh, Matthew Wilson. I know we've seen Sister Ramona. I've seen her up there earlier in the last services, and I've just been rejoicing what the Lord has done. Thankful. He is indeed a way maker. Amen. Amen. I can know not too many months ago, it maybe looked like a really dark path. Amen. And you look down as for Sister Ramona, Brother Matthew, but we can stand here today. He said he made a way. Light in the darkness. Amen. Amen. Second Samuel 15. And we'll start at 19. Well, I'll back her up. I'll go, th I'll go 13. How's that? I'll give you a little bit of backstory here. And there came, I'll just go quickly. And there came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, and let us flee, and, uh, and we shall not, for we shall not else escape. For Absalom makes speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly, and bring evil upon us, and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever... My lord the king shall appoint. 
I love these men. We'll go into this a little bit later. And the king went forth and all his household after him. And the king left ten women, which were concubines, to keep the house. And the king went forth and all the people after him and tarried in a place that was afar off. In verse 19 now, well, 18, sorry. And the servants all passed on beside him and all the Cherethites and the Pelethites and all the Gittites, 600 men which came after him from Gath, passed on before the king. These are men that had been with him for quite a while. Verse 19 says, Then the king said to Ittai, the Gittite, Wherefore goest thou also with us? Return to thy place and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger and also an exile. Whereas thou camest but yesterday, should I this day make thee go up and down with us? Seeing I go whither I may, return thou and take back thy brethren. Mercy and truth be with thee. Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth, and as my Lord the king liveth, Surely in what place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or in life, even there also will thy servant be. And David said to Ittai, Go and pass over. And Ittai the Gittite passed over, and all his men, and all the little ones that were with him. Let's just skip over to Second uh, Samuel 18, and we'll just go forward just a little bit. Let's read a verse. Hopefully we'll be able to connect them together for you. Second Samuel 18, verse 2. And David sent forth a third part of the people under the hand of Joab, and a third part under the hand of Abishai. And now this is David in exile, and they're working their way through over Jordan. Joab's brother, a third part under the hand also of Ittai the Gittite. So they're broken into three parts. And the king said unto, said unto the people, I will surely go forth with you myself also. And the people said, Thou shalt not go forth, for if we flee away, they will not care for us, neither if half of us die. Will they care for us? But now thou art worth 10,000 of us. Look at what they, how they thought of David, their king. Thou art worth 10,000 of us. Think of it. Therefore now it is better that thou secure us out of the city. So the, David did not go it that way. Let's just pray one more time. Heavenly Father, Lord, we've read parts of your scripture. Lord, I so in love reading, Lord, different accounts in your Old Testament and seeing, Lord, how you weaved who you are through the lives of these brothers and sisters and, Lord, different accounts of Scripture. Lord, as you typed yourself in so many different ways, Lord, your Scripture is so inspired. How one can look at the Bible and read through it and not see, Lord, the weaving of Jesus Christ all the way through is beyond me. But, Lord, I'm so thankful that you've opened our eyes to see this beautiful word with a message that you gave us open our eyes, Lord. So we commit the service tonight. Feed us with your word, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats tonight. I'm going to attempt to uh, speak just a little topic, something a little fairly just, uh, I won't say basic, but uh, just down home. <laughs> and I'm, so I'm going to title tonight, and you probably have, uh, t- tonight's title I'm just going to call Semper Fidelis. And uh, so that's my title tonight. Nobody reads Latin? <laughs> that went somewhere a long time ago. Semper Fidelis. Well, tonight we're just going to title it Always Loyal. And that's what that means, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But I want to speak a little bit about loyalty, which you can see here in the Scripture. It's pretty hard to look at the, at the uh, subject of loyalty and not look at the account of David and his men. And the mighty men. And so I just want to maybe delve into a little bit of the topic. And uh, that's where we just took Ittai, 
who was just a newcomer into the ranks so at this time, and that's why David told him, he said, really, you don't need to come with us. You just got here. You yourself is, a, is an exile. Why don't you just go to your place? You, really haven't, you haven't really had much. Uh, you know, you're, you'd be pretty safe if you just stayed back. Go back. Don't need to run around in exile with me. And he said, go. But his, his response was very similar to other accounts in the Scripture, which we might touch on. But as the Lord liveth, and as the Lord the King liveth, Surely in what place my Lord the King shall be, whether in death or in life. This was a commitment. This wasn't just, well, I'll come along for the ride. No, he knew that maybe I could die. He really just arrived. Why would he have any need to, to connect himself with David and David's troubles? But he'd obviously made a journey to connect himself. He'd come from, uh, I think one account says he's, from, he's a, a Philistine uh, origin, the Gittite. And, and so he's come here. He, he's, he's seen something in David, and he's now said, in death or in life, I'm with you. All right? This is the, next, this is the level of, of Ittai's statement, he said here. And, and then on the flip side, the people, that, what they thought of David in their loyalty to him, he was worth 10,000 the, of them to, to the people, which showed you that obviously there was a two-way relationship between David and his people. He was loyal to them, and they were loyal to him. That was pretty clear in these scriptures. Hopefully you got that much thus far. But loyalty is, is a pretty broad term. It implies a, a faithfulness that is steadfast in the face of any temptation to renounce, desert, or betray. And so you're loyal. Uh, loyalty is a strong word. It really connotates the feeling or sediment to, you know, of accompanying a sense of, of allegiance. You know, if you're loyal, you're, you're allegiant to something. You're, you're very loyal, and it, it has a, a certain level of devotion applied to it. And it, it, it also, if you're loyal to something or if you have allegiance to somebody, it also then characterizes you have, obviously have a love for, some, for that, uh, that person or, or, or whichever it is you're loyal to, and it's an enjoyable experience that's shared between, in many cases, maybe a sovereign or an employer you know, in loyalty. It's a great quality, loyalty. It's needed, much needed in the world today. It, it, it's something that's you know, kind of higher level. You know, it's truthfulness, it's diligence, it's integrity, it's faithfulness. It's got all these you know, really bundled up into this word. And, and so uh, loyalty, though, is, I, I think is, is, is broken, hard to find these days. You know, loyalty is really the strict application of the golden rule. It's the opposite of, every, uh, of really the very human tendency to, to look out for number one, right? Loyalty doesn't do that. Loyalty, it really puts the, it takes the place of, or the law of self-preservation before the divine law of honor or preferring one before yourself or prefer one another. And so that's pretty tough for this age to be loyal because then I got to put somebody else before me and, and therefore that's tough to do in this wonderful Laodicean age. And so loyalty, it's, it's, it's broken. And in fact, uh, you know, I think even people maybe have a hard time understanding the concept if you go back in time, loyalty was a big deal. Chivalry and loyalty and, you know, king for king and country. And so really what, we, what our level of loyalty is our loyalty programs. That's really our sense of loyalty. I've got my, my 18 loyalty program cards, and that's the extent of my loyalty. I got, I'm loyal to this place because they stamp my card and they give me free things after 10 times. Or I you know, buy them and they give me points. I spend $10,000, I get two points. I need 10,000 points to do anything, to buy a paperclip, <laughs> do the math. It's about as good as it is, but you carry them. You've got your cards full of them, and man, 
That's the extent of loyalty these days. <laughs> yeah. And when the next one, Telus comes out with a good deal, it's like, throw that modem away, and suddenly I've got uh, Telus modem, and Rogers has went out the door. And six months later, there's a new promo, so poof, out goes Telus modem, in goes the Rogers modem. Loyalty? Nah. No, no, no. Mortgage rates? So, well, TD's got the better one, I'm going to go to RBC. Moving all my accounts over to RBC. We, that's how loyal we are. Really, at the end of the day, you know, some people, they're pretty loyal to their car brands. Uh, I've had Honda for a long time, but, uh, you know, that's about the extent of it. You know, so businesses, they, they drive hard because they really just want your money. That's, that's really all they're doing. So they're actually really not loyal to you. They're loyal to your dollar. And as soon as they don't have your dollar, they ain't loyal to you anymore. Is that how that works? <laughs> I guess we live in the same world, huh? <laughs> yeah. But I wonder if we treat God like a loyalty card, you know? It's if he gives me something while well, I'm sticking with him. If he's giving me the points I need or if he's, he's giving me the, you know, the, the, the healing I need, well, then I'm loyal. But, you know, if I ain't getting anything in return, well, I'm moving on to my own ideas. He's just another loyalty card in your spiritual pocketbook. That's what the world, I think, treats God as. You know, I pledge allegiance to do loyal to a country. I don't know if the states still do, but, uh, you know, they, they pledge allegiance to the flag it's an oath. It's a solemn promise. And they, they, they pledge that. I know everybody says, well, I pledge allegiance to the flag. And, you know, it's about 30 words long or so. Uh, but I wonder if they really even know what they're doing. You know, I don't take if I was pledging something. They gave each other a pledge. Was, <laughs> some might know where that comes from. But uh, th that was a pretty big statement to pledge something. You know, you just don't. So when you pledge to your country, well, you're... you're you're putting yourself right on the, uh, the front line of the ranks and saying, okay, I'm going to stand for it. Anything that, that I need to, I'm going to give my all to my country. I'm going to be loyal to it. I'm going to uphold its standards. wonder if you want to do that. Sir Nathan Hale was one of the first U.S., I think the first U.S. Uh, spy. He was killed as a uh, spy back in 1776, I believe it was. And he was loyal to country, and he said, my regret, it is, it is said that he says this. It's not totally confirmed, but the history says that he regrets his last words were that he has but one life to lose for his country. This was, this was loyalty. He wished he had more lives to lose. And now if we spin forward, consequently or coincidentally, we have a coronation this weekend. Unbeknownst to me until I was doing some studying, and we have a, we have a king being crowned this Saturday, I believe it is. And, uh, and so they're having, a, you know, the, the citizens are, are going to obviously around the globe are going to be watching as they uh, pledge, you know, their allegiance to the king because something new is happening this time that they actually are allowing homage to the people to be done. And so the Archbishop of Canterbury is going to enlist a, a course of millions, they say, to ask all who so desire in the abbey and elsewhere to make an oath. And this is used to be just for nobility to say, but now the people can join and say, this is what they will be able to say, I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your heirs and successors according to law, so help me God. Yes, this is what everybody can have to say. And then after this, after the uh, followed by a fanfare from the archbishop saying, God save the king. And in response, the people will shout, God save King Charles. Long live King Charles. May the king live forever. This is on the program. This is what's happening this weekend. Yes, the pledge. 
This replaces the traditional homage of peers, as I said, which was really just for you know, the royal heritage. But we want everybody now. We're not going to be an exclusive. We're going to include the world and, and allow them to be loyal to the crown and state this fact. Unfortunately, they didn't pull the public, and when they did, 85% of the public has no desire to give their loyalty to the crown. <laughs> so this is where loyalty lies. And it's all but disintegrated in this age. It's lost in our marriages and friendships and work. And there's, a lot, there's so much unfaithfulness because of the age. And I wonder if that's how we did it in battle we said, well, forget it. I'm just going to battle, and it's for me and me alone. It'd be a one-man battle everywhere, and it'd be just uh, chaos. There was, it was a requirement in battle to be loyal, because you fought, fought as unified force. And so a soldier, you know, I feel for me, I feel like I should, uh, I feel like I could have been born back in those eras, you know, the 1200s. I feel like I could have been a knight, you know. I feel like I could fight, you know, for, for my king. It just somehow was something in me, you know. But I think, Lord, maybe that's because I'm just fighting for my king. Not something of this world, but in me, and I would believe in a seed of God, there's something that's like, yeah, I'm fighting for my king. I got a king. You know, people say, well, my liege. Yeah, he is my liege. He's my king of kings, and I fight for him. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's King Arthur's days. I liked those books. But people don't even know what that means anymore. It's, it, it's, it's like, really, you know, fight for a king. The mentality is so shifted. But I would hope that's not the case in the ranks of God's army. <laughs> oh, sir. I would pray that there is an unwavering loyalty in this church tonight. Amen. You know, but it's easy to serve. It's easy to be loyal when the going is good when everything is, is fine and, and, and wonderful, but when things get tough, like it did in David's day, like it did when Ittai came, it was a rough moment because J uh, David was being sent out of the kingdom. He was, he was basically running in exile before Absalom came along, and the times were not easy. And this is when you really find where lo your loyalty lies, and you're seeing really in their kingdom what was happening. And so people, they can, they can have their loyalty, but, but really when, it, it, when the battle stiffens, then we find out where it is. And if your loyalty has just been in a church and something ripples through a church and your loyalty is then shattered, you're shattered. You put your loyalty in some friend or your family and your family fails you. And now you're sitting there, well, man, your world starts to crumble. You put it in a minister or a pastor and something happens and your confidence gets shaken. It's because your loyalty has been put in the wrong thing. Your loyalty should be in the very word of God and the word of God alone. Man will make mistakes. Churches will make mistakes. But God's word never makes a mistake. But Abraham says, oh, everything's all right as long as you got your name in the book. You might have your name on a dozen books. If it ain't the book of life, you're lost. He says you can never be so good. You, you can just be as loyal and clean and moral as you can be. That won't have one thing to do with it. You could say, I come to church every service. I'm as loyal a church member as it can be. It really don't matter, actually. What you're loyal to matters. You need to be loyal to this. And that alone. Amen. Loyalty to anything else but the anointed word of God. It's got nothing for you. Because at some point, it will fail. And here, if we go back in the story, if you read, you can go through... Second Samuel and First Samuel, there's a, quite, the, uh, quite the accounts there. But if we go back in there, there was a time when 
Adonijah was going to be crowned king because some loyalty shifted. For Joab had moved his loyalty, which he should never have done, and he moved it and thought that Adonijah, one of David's sons, should be king. And so Joab and Abiathar was going to take him to be crowned king. David is now aged and, and uh, hasn't really decreed who would, he has, but, but they're trying to take maybe advantage. And so they're loyalty now to their own idea. They're loyal to their own, uh, own thought on the matter. And so now they're going to start to put things together and off they go. They get some guests, they kill some oxen, and they're going to go have a party to crown Adonijah king. And so then Nathan and, and uh, Benaniah and Zadok, they, they come to, to David and they say, wait a second, Did, is not Solomon supposed to be king? Now let's, let's type, type to here, Brother Brown says in a quote we'll get to further down the road, David was a type of Christ. And so David had what was going to be the direction for the kingdom. David had the word for the kingdom. And so Solomon was to be king. And so here he decrees this and, 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 and brings Benaniah and Zadok and they anoint Solomon and they bring him on the king's mule. And here poor Joab, he's got his loyalty now misplaced over here and they prayed Solomon now down the street. And they start to, oh, and now they start to cheer and this is a wonderful moment. So here you got somebody being crowned out, out in a different area. And now you have David. They've, now they've anointed Solomon and he's getting crowned over in this area. And so people say they're over where Adonijah is. They're, they're all, you know, they're having a good time until they hear sounds of cheering. And, and so they say, what's that? What's happening? They say, well, wait a second. A runner comes in and says, they've just crowned Solomon king. You know what happened in that very moment? All their loyalty <laughs> faded. Faded fast. Because they knew their loyalty was in the wrong spot. But when things were going just okay, you know, and there was no ripple in it, that was fine. They were, they were fairly confident. But the moment the error was found out, oh my goodness, you couldn't find nobody that was going to want to side with Adonijah. They were gone. They were going this direction, that direction, because their neck was on the line. But those that were behind Solomon had confidence because they were following the word of the king. They didn't have to be, oh, well, I don't know. Can we cheer? No, cheer. King Solomon's on the throne. And that's what the men with David, as they came out of exile, they were confident that their loyalty, where their loyalty was. They didn't have to be like, well, should I be with David? Should I not? No, he's anointed. That's who I'm following. When you know you're following the word, you don't have to hopscotch around and look over your shoulder and wonder, am, am I on the wrong, right side? No, no, you're on the right side. I'd be wondering if you're on the other side. That's when you should be, should be a little scared. But your trust, your hope, your faith, your life should be placed in the anointed word for our day. God's children, though, it's in the worst times. It's in the difficult times. That's when God likes to show and bring out who's loyal to his word and not. It's in the difficult moments you see where someone's loyalty lies. And here as we read the scripture, now we have David's mighty men needed, really needed a real revelation of who they're following. Really, if you look at the circumstance, this was now the second time David had been on the run. These men had been following him always when he was on the run from Saul. Many of them. David was scorned. He was a vagabond. He had, he had feigned craziness at early, at early times. And they've kept following him all this time. I put yourself in their shoes. These are men. 
They didn't just like, well, you know, willy-nilly. No, these were mighty men. And they had aligned themselves with David. And David was not going through good times all the time. This word has had difficult times. And a small band of men looked beyond circumstances. It was 600 at one point. Another scripture says 400. There's more, but these were the men around. And then there was a 30, which is an even smaller group of them that were mighty. They're defined in scripture. Then there's even those that are the three. And, and Brother Brown says, did you know David who he represented? He represented Christ. Christ was the son of David. He said, listen closely, those Gentile warriors, many of them noticed they came from everywhere. Some of them were Gentiles, some were even Jew, but they, they didn't know that, they knew that the fugitive was anointed. This is what mattered. They knew David was rejected by his own people. They know the anointing was on him. They could see it, so they stood right by his side, die or live. They were gallant men, no matter how much the outside world didn't believe it. They were firm in their loyalty. I love the types in the Bible. I wonder, sometimes I read, I, I just wonder, I love putting myself into the types of the scripture. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> that's me there. Or I read another account in scripture. I'm like, in Moses and different things. I'm like, yep, that, that's me. I'd be right there with him. I wonder if some people read the scripture, I wonder where they put themselves. I, I really do, do. Are they able to put themselves on, uh, as David's mighty men? I hope so. That's where we all want to place ourselves. And here David, mighty man, he kicked, his own people kicked him out. They didn't want nothing to do with him. Saul run him out. The head of denomination kicked him out. Had nothing to do with it. The council kicked him out. David was a fugitive. He had gone wherever he could. And there he was up in the mountains with a little group of men, Gentiles and so forth. And they looked at that man and they knowed he was the coming king. Man, that would take a revelation. A big time revelation. Here they were before Saul, when it was during Saul's time, he's at the caves of Adullam and these different accounts, and they had to look at, here's a man, he's just in a cave, drinking stagnant water and food they could abscond or take, get from other places that would provide for them, and they're on the run, and they're like, yeah, he's king, I'm following him. Some people are like, what are these guys, they're crazy, what are they following anyway? Just some cult out there? Let's put it down to our day. Who is this anyway? It doesn't even make sense. He's, he's being run off. It's not, it's not unpopular. It's, it's just. But there was a group of men. There's a group of people that were loyal to the anointing. And so David ran from, run from Saul. He ran from Absalom. David was on the run both these times of rejection. When David, think about it. When David was running from Saul, one, one priest helped him out and gave him Goliath's sword. And for that, he was killed. A bunch of other priests were killed. And the whole village where the priest came from, Nob, they were also slain. Men, women, children, oxen. Because they'd helped David. And then David had to wear that burden. And the men that followed him, loyal to him, also had to carry that. Really, what are you doing? You had all these people killed because you helped? Like, what? You think, think about what they had to live, the, the heaviness of this. But they stuck with him. Day in, day out, night in, night out, rejection and scorn and scoffed. But they said, that's the anointed king. Absalom then, he runs out, David runs out now in that situation. Absalom didn't like how David dealt with Tamar and Ammon and the story and 
thought he should have dealt with it. Now he stirs up the people, and people start switching their loyalty, and again, David now is running out of, out of the city of Jerusalem. That's where the scripture you read started, and what a turmoil again. As David leaves, he packs up his family, and he flees rejected. And once again, the loyal, mighty men bind around. So let's go. We're with you. Through sick, through sin, through darkness, through good times, through bad times, their loyalty wasn't dependent on good circumstances. And I wonder, we will make sure that our loyalty to the word is not dependent upon great circumstances. Well, I'm just doing wonderful. My family's doing great. But when I'm in dark times, when my family's in a dark time, when my wife is sick, when my husband is sick, when my lost loved ones are out, in those times, are you loyal? Amen. I didn't see a scripture. Someone could point it to me, but I didn't see one where through the up and down, the loyalty of those mighty men wavered. I didn't see a scripture where it said, well, these 37 are the three, but that one of the three, he, 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 he was always in scripture. They were accounted as mighty men of David. And so these valiant, mighty men had different feats in battles. You had uh, the one that you know, killed 800, with, uh, lifted up his spear against 800 and slew at one time. That's a lot of people. Fill this place to the brink and then put, the, put me in the middle and be like, all right, bring it on. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, we'll, we'll take you out in 10 seconds. No, he didn't. He took them out in whatever long it was. These are mighty men, Eleazar, son of Dodo, and Ahoite, one of the three mighty men. He arose, smote Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand claved to the sword. They had to pry his fingers off the sword he had fought for so long. These are mighty men of valor. He stood in the midst of the ground, defended a ground full of lentils. We have Benaniah, who, who uh, slew two lion-like men of Moab, slew a lion in the midst of a pit. Slew an Egyptian, large, five cubits of spear, the same as Goliath's spear, a weaver's beam. We had other mighty men of David that, that also slew Goliath's brothers. So not just David. David showed the example. The other mighty men said, if he can do it, we can do it. <laughs> if our God can do it, he's given us the word so we can do it. These mighty men, not all of them Jew, but they had a revelation. Some didn't even belong to Israel, but David to them was the king. Didn't matter if they were Israel or not. David was their king. And so they accomplished these feats for David. Not just women, though. Not in, in David's sense, but it's not just women that are mighty. Mighty in valor. When there's a loyalty to, to, to where their loyalty is placed. And I was thinking we can sometimes place our, you know, these mighty men of valor and what they've done. And we can type and say, rise up, mighty men. And sometimes our sisters are like, well, what about us? Sisters, you're mighty too. I think, because I go back to an equal mighty woman whose name is Jael. And she also had a loyalty who Jabin thought she was loyal to Canaan. But her loyalty was on something else. Her loyalty was clearly on Israel and who she was fighting for, who she was willing to fight for. She had aligned that there. And so she was loyal and faithful. And here she had a devil come in her tent. Come on, moms. Come on, you ever had a devil come into your home? Coming on your child or something like that? Come out of school? There's an influence there. You say, where did that thing come from? Yeah, this is where JL was. And so they thought she was at peace. That little demon thought maybe they could enter your home and, and be, maybe be missed or maybe not be seen. But JL refused to be loyal to anybody but Israel by her sheerly, by her actions. Looked like she stood alone. But tonight I wonder if there's mothers of this gospel. You might feel like you're all alone. 
in your little home, but I say identify with JL. Maybe your spiritual walk has grown cold a little bit. You can't remember the last time you, you've prayed. Maybe you've got little children you've allowed them. Maybe you're sticking them on some streaming device instead of taking care of them. Or your husband's home wondering if you barely have time for him. And maybe when's the last time you put on a nice dress when he walked in the door? I tell you, revolutionized probably your marriage at that very moment. But if any of those little imps or something come in your home, I'd say like JL, take a little, take a nail of the word and nail his head to the ground. She's a mighty woman, mighty in valor. Claim back your walk. Claim back your loyalty to your Savior. Maybe it's Deborah. She was a judge of Israel, rode to battle with Barak. The same, this is the same time actually. Deborah and Jael were also in the same time period. Essentially, great women, valiant, loyal to their king of kings. Could we speak of Daniel, who was told to stop praying, stop worshiping? Stop praising, Daniel. You're going to be fed to a lion den. Mm -mm. His loyalty was to his God. And it was not going to waver in the dark moment. Well, I guess I, for 30 days, I mean, that's all it is. For 30 days, I guess I could stop praying. Why not? For 30 days, I could stop opening my window, maybe. I'll just pray behind the window. Daniel could have done these things. <laughs> Don't tell me the devil didn't place the thought there. But Daniel said, no way. I'm not going to alter my walk. I'm not going to alter how I serve my God for any devil that's going to encroach his foot on my ground. So open these windows. I'm going to stand there boldly, and I'm going to pray. Amen. Yes, he did. Paul, so many ones in Scripture. Heresy. He said, so I worship God. Hebrew boys. We know how, how often these were in difficult moments is when their loyalty to whom they served, who they said they served, was now coming to the forefront. All right, you say that you won't bow. Let's just see if you, if you can put your money where your mouth is, right? And that's what's going to happen. And that's what God and the devil's going to do. You confess it. You say it. This is what I believe. I, I stand on the word of God. And then a trial comes and he's like, all right, let's just see where you stand on that. And that's what happened in the Hebrew boys. But Abraham says they purposed in their heart in a prayer meeting one night. Amen, brothers? Amen. They purposed in their heart in a prayer meeting one night. Amen. Amen. You could be at a prayer meeting one night. And you could be praying on your knees. And we're purposing to say, I'm going to live for this gospel. And the devil's coming to say, all right, you're going to bow. We're not going to defile ourselves. We was going to stand we was going to stand of God's word regardless of what the rest of the world said. That's what Brother Brown said, they said. So they said, we're going to stand. We're going to be loyal. They're going to worship their God. They're going to bow to the God of this evil age. That's fine. But not us. Amen. All right. So Nebuchadnezzar said, well, we'll just burn some of this holy roller religion right out of them. Brother Brown says, could you imagine? Burn the Holy Ghost out of a man? <laughs> When the Holy Ghost is fire itself, just you try. Amen. He said, fire fights fire. <laughs> Amen. You have the fire of God in you. It don't matter what's on this age. It don't matter how hot the furnace is. You'll just walk right in there because you are fire. <laughs> Amen. He said, I'll bring a fire that no man can bring. But God, seeing the loyalty, the faithfulness of these Hebrew children, 
Oh my goodness, Brother Branham, he, oh, he counts this one so beautiful. I know you've probably read it 1,800 times. I've read it so many. But there the angel said, Master, look down. They're, fi- have you, they're fixing to burn up three faithful believers. Yeah, I can hear. He says, yeah, where would I watch them all night long? Don't think his eye's not watching you. You don't think when the devil makes then his, his call of what he's going to do, you don't think the Lord doesn't know that he's doing that? You bet he does. He's like, all right. I'll just take a look at this. His eyes on the sparrow. If he knows any sparrow that falls out of the sky, you don't think he can see you or I when we're going through a deep, dark trial? Oh, yeah. He's watching you. He's watching you. He said, no, 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 no. These are my loyal, faithful servants. (laughs) He's got a keen interest to watch you because he wants to watch your life glorify him. Yeah. He says, oh, I know. He sees everything. I hear warm what he says. Oh, back there. Give me the authority. He wants to wipe off, wipe Nebuchadnezzar off the, off the planet. He says, you know, let me just go and wash Babylon off the face of the earth. He says, mm, I can't let you go. And then Gabriel comes up. He says in an account and draws his sword. He says, I want to chop them, you know, I'll just chop them right to death. And I'm sure in, in about a, a split second, Gabriel would be there. And Nebuchadnezzar would be, would be on the ground dead and there would be no fire. But God said, mm, that, that's, that's, I believe you could do that, but now it's not happened. He said, uh, he said, I can hear him say, well, Gabriel, you obeyed me since the day I created you, but I can't let you go. Because he says, I'm going myself because it's a man-sized job. <laughs> uh, can you imagine God saying, sorry, Gabriel, but it's a man-sized job. I mean, it's a God-sized job for me to go down there. <laughs> he says, I can see him rise from his seat. His robes drop off him way back there in the north. And he talks about how he brings the thunderclap clouds and all of, all of this as he describes it, which I won't take the time. But then... Whew, in a moment there, as, the, as they walk into them flames, you know what he says? He says, they're standing there fanning away, all the breezes like that, talking over the future for them. <laughs> you wonder what they were talking about right there. They're talking about their future right there. What was going to happen? He was giving a little insight of what was going on. Amen? Here, this word tells you about your future in there. Your fourth man in the fire sent you a message in this hour to tell you your future in the flames of Laodicea. You will not be consumed. And while you're in there, you've got a word that you can read and a message that you can pour over. And it's your God and God's side's God to tell you your future. (laughs) There they stood. You know what? The fire didn't go nowhere. They were still in the trial. You're still in the heat of Laodicea. I should say you're still in the fires of Laodicea, but there ain't no heat on you. (laughs) There's no smoke, amen, no smell, none of that there. Nothing of the age. They were still in it. The fire was all around them, but they had one that could keep all the effects of it off of them. Why? Because loyal, faithful servants to the gospel of Jesus Christ would stand there and he backed them up. You loyal to him, he's loyal to his servants. In the time of need, he just wanted to see, are they going to do it? Are they going to stand for me? Uh, God didn't wonder. He was just waiting. It's okay, Wormwood. It's okay, Gabriel. They got it. I'm just waiting for the moment when I can step on the scene. Same thing he did with Moses when he called me to put them there, Amram, 
trusted in the Lord. Their loyalty was in him. He had spoke to them. They knew Moses was a deliverer. They knew he was a different child, and they committed him to the river. And God said, bring down a legion of angels. Line up that Nile River on left and right, and I'm going to go to the very end of it and wait for it because he's mine. Amen. You think you're in a trial with crocodiles everywhere, but you might have a legion of angels all the way down your Nile River. And at the end of it, it's this Lord saying, just come to me. I'm at the end of your river. Amen. But this God, your God and my God, he doesn't demand a loyalty. In fact, he doesn't demand it at all. But he creates a relationship that you desire to be loyal to him. In fact, he begins by example. Amen. He's loyal. He's the loyal one. He's always loyal. Always faithful. He's not gonna, he's, he's not gonna desire commitment from you that he wouldn't do himself. That's not our God. David was a warrior, he fought, he led. He provided, he gave undying loyalty to his people as Christ did for you and I. That's why they could say, no, David, don't, don't, don't. You're worth 10,000 to us. Why? Because David had constantly gone all before them. He led the way. They knew he was a ruddy little boy and took a Goliath down. He led. And so therefore, they desired. I'm following him. He was a type of our God who is the epitome of the motto of my title, Simpler Fidelis. Semper Fidelis. He's a covenant keeper. He's a promise keeper. Yes. Moses, in, in Exodus, and it came to pass in process of time, the king of Egypt died, the children of Israel signed by, signed by reason of bondage and cried, and their cry came up to the Lord by reason of their bondage, and God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant. Amen. God didn't go 400 plus years. He's like, oh, I missed it. Uh, I mean, 400 years have passed. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. That's not our God. He's loyal. He's faithful to his promise. He said, after 400 years, I will deliver your people, Abraham. And at 400 plus years, God was just waiting. Moses came to his proper time. He said, now's the moment. I'm a promise keeper. I'm a covenant maker and a covenant keeper. He'll never let his word fall. Mm -mm. He's a co his covenant, if it would break, eternity would break. It's impossible. world will pass away. God's word will never pass away. Deuteronomy 4.31 says, For the Lord, that God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear under them. No forsake means it's to sink or to relax, to let down, to, to, to be disheartened. To withdraw. God will never withdraw. He'll never abandon. He'll never refrain. He'll never relax. He'll never let you alone. He'll never be quiet. He's, gonna, he's never going to show himself slack as men count slackness. Mm -mm, not God. And David knew of this faithful one. David knew of this loyal one. You just read his Psalms. You know he knew who he had believed in. Amen. David, when he writes the Psalms in Psalms 136... You can actually read, and if I read it, you would, you would know it right quickly because it's a psalm that has every verse, and his mercy endureth forever. Right. And it says another verse, and his mercy endureth forever. 
there's many verses there. There's 30, 26 that say, and his mercy endureth forever. This is a psalm that David wrote. But if you go into that psalm and you read the word mercy, the word mercy is actually a Hebrew word called hesed. And it's not just mercy as you would think mercy. It's actually indicating kindness, loving kindness, mercy, goodness, faithfulness, love, acts of kindness. Oh, he said it's, it's, it's this aspect of God. It's his character of truth and faithfulness, mercy, steadfastness, justice, righteousness, loyalty, all in one word. It said it's actually impossible to try and convey what that word is in, the, in all of the English language. And so the, the translator put mercy there. But it's not just that. It's the, he said the moon and the stars to rule by night for his mercy endureth forever. That could be, well, his goodness endureth forever. His loyalty endureth forever. His faithfulness endureth forever. His love endureth forever. Amen. He said, and he slew the famous kings. He gave their land for a heritage. He said, and who remembered us at our lowest state for his mercy endureth forever. Redeemed us from our enemies for his faithfulness endureth forever. David knew who his God was. He was a loyal God and he would write a psalm about him. Isaiah 54 said, in the little little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness depart. Everlasting kindness, will I have mercy on thee? That everlasting kindness is again said, It's faithfulness. It's love. It's, fa- it's, it's loyalty. It's acts of kindness. All of that. You just say, oh, it's everlasting kindness. No, it's his everlasting faithfulness to you. It's his everlasting loyalty to you. Amen. Oh, the Bible's much deeper and richer than just face value. Deuteronomy says, Know therefore the Lord thy God, he is the faithful God, who keepeth covenant and mercy. Again, which is the word has said, Exodus 34, And the Lord God passed before him, proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for the thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression. The whole scripture, again the same word has said, is just filled with his faithfulness. It's filled with his loyalty and his love for you and I. He's a keeper of his word. That's what he's loyal to. It's his word. He's the one who said, the seed will crush the head of the serpent. And did it happen? Yes, it did. Because he's loyal to his word. He will ensure that it happens. He's the one who said, Noah built an ark and a place of safety so that he would get through the flood. Did it happen? Oh, yes, it did. He's the one who promised Abraham seed would be sands as the sea and as the stars of the sky and he had seed out of his flesh. Did it happen? Oh, yes, it did. He promised Israel would go into captivity for 70 years. Did it happen? Some didn't want to, but did it happen? Yes, it did. Why? Because he's loyal to his word. His prophets speak his word. God's obligated to ensure it happens. That's why even when Elisha spoke to she-bears out, God is obligated for that to happen. He said he would be wounded, bruised, bearing our sorrow. Did it happen? Yes, because Isaiah spoke it. The scripture spoke it. It happened because he's loyal to his word. He said he'd raise a prophet like unto Moses. He said he'd be a savior. He said he'd be a healer. He'd be a mender of the brokenhearted. He said he'd send the Holy Spirit. Did it happen? Yes, it did. Whether you want to say so or not, it did because God is going to keep his promise. You know, if God could keep a covenant promise 400 and something years in the making, you know, to humanity, that's a long time. 
You'll be like, that. wow, that's like, let's put the watch on here. This is, we're in for a long haul. But God is timeless, and he waited for it. But if God can make sure that that happened through the course of generations, you don't think that he's still able to ensure that his promises happen today? Amen. I'd say if he can do that, he can do anything. If he can bring humanity through a series of time, bring it through a certain aspects and junctions, he can have prophets of old through the hundreds and thousands of years speak certain things and then they happen all like this and then happen in one man, Jesus Christ, and prophecy fulfilled, fulfilled. If he can do that, do you think that he can fulfill everything he said for this day? John 14, 18, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. Amen. Yet a little while the world see me no more, but see me because I live Ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know I am in the Father, ye in me, and I in you. Matthew 28, teaching them the last verse in Matthew. Lo, I am with you always. Faithful one. So unchanging. Loyal one. Always. This last verse in Matthew. Always. Amen. Even to the end of the world. It's 2 Timothy 2.13. If we believe not, listen to this. If we believe not, this is scripture, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Amen. I want you to ponder that scripture for just a little bit. There was a time when you were lost in sin, in wickedness and trespass, in dark places. Maybe a time you're in a low, low valley, but he cannot, as scripture says, deny what? Himself. Who are you? Who are you? You're believers. You've read the message. What's inside of you? Himself. Because he's deposited his seed in you. And that's why through the darkest of valleys, even when scripture says, if we believe not, when you are in sin and trespass, but he could not deny himself. He would be faithful always to pick you up out of the muck and the mire and say, there's a time when so-and-so, I've got a time appointed, I'm faithful, I'm that God, and I'm going to raise him up at that time. You're his word. You're a people that have eaten the book. Amen? You've become the word. He's faithful to you. Always faithful. You have he quickened. I wrote down here, a God who's rich in mercy, loyalty to his seed, and I wrote down, he even went through hell for you. <laughs> That's your God. He even went down to hell for you. Man might use that as some curse phrase. No, he went there for you and I and stripped the keys. That's your loyal God. And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sin. Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. But God, who is rich in mercy, who is rich in faithfulness, who is rich in love, who is rich in his loyalty to his people, loyalty to his word. And if you are the word, he cannot reject you. Even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. Amen. You play a little video for me. I'm going to take a, a little switch here or, or jerk your attention. Just one minute, minute and a half of a video. I need sound. Yeah. 
me, it means we're holding each other accountable. Super Fidelo stands for always faithful to the core, never turning your back on it. But it's someone that you can rely on. Like when times are going to get tough, you know that there's going to be someone there to back you up. And it's going to be your fellow Marine that's on your left or your right. So we're always faithful. We're always there with each other. We'll always be fighting for each other if we have nothing else left at the end of the day. To me, that is just a level of commitment unlike any other. And I will never be a part of anything else as big as this. I think it speaks volumes of the character of Marines past, present, and future about what we hold true to ourselves. Always faithful to each other, to our country, and to our families. Hmm. Eternal bond, huh? Hey, I, I'm not even American. I'm proud of them soldiers. <laughs> But they don't have an eternal bond like you and I have. I'm sorry. They might carry the motto, Semper Fidelis. Mm -mm. But I said, no way. I was studying halfway through. I had a totally different title. And I came across that. I said, um, that's my title. That's exactly what my motto is. Always faithful. Always loyal. That's what it means. I'm sorry, but one lady said, I'll never be involved in something bigger than this. Uh Uh-uh, I'm sorry. There is something bigger. (laughs) This is called a battle for life and death, and there's an army that's raging against the enemy, and I'm part of that big army. I take Semper Fidelis my way. You know what they say about that? To demonstrate that in practical terms, new recruits are told story after story of how Marines sacrificed in combat to remain faithful to their fellow warriors. And so they're constantly telling each other of a warrior I've gone by. They're telling each other of a Shamgar. They're telling each other of a Samson. They're telling each other of a David, of people gone by. Say, you know them? Semper Philadelphus. <laughs> you know that person? Semper Philadelphus. You know Eddie Pisco? Semper Philadelphus. Look to each other and you say, hey, Semper Philadelphus. Putting their lives at risk to save other Marines, refusing to leave one of their own behind, alive or dead. That's this earth, but not dead in this life, in, in eternity. Because this Semper Fidelis, this army, goes through a prayer meeting on a Monday night. And they're praying for those that are wounded. Those that are somewhere left in a battle. And they're saying, nah, nah, devil. We're fighting. We're going to be going to warfare. We're going to be telling each other, Semper Fidelis, always faithful. We can talk about Peter and Noah. Different ones who risked their life. Think about John the Baptist. They would have been telling each other, do you know what he just did? He put his life on the line. He was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They cut off his head. Semper Fidelis. <laughs> Faithful, loyal. Families moving here and there, trying to uproot their families to grow and go. Maybe go to church. Many of you moved in here so your children could be in a school. You're sacrificing your livelihoods. You're sacrificing your ease. Why? You're faithful to the cause. You're faithful to the word. You say, I need whatever I can for my children. Semper Fidelis. Story after story. Encouraging each other in the faithful gone by and the faithful that are present. But you know what the rest says? It says in many of the stories... One Marine made a conscious decision 
to die in order to save the lives of others. And so they tell the story. This one died. And it would start to well up something, some comradeship, loyal to the core. <laughs> and this commitment to Semper Fidelis was one of the reasons Marines enjoy the well-deserved reputation for valor in combat. Because <laughs> they encourage each other, telling each other of different counts. Because they go, to, like I said, and they gather together, they edify. But I said, let me tell you of a story of all time. Of one that gave his life on a cross for you and I. It isn't no Marine, which I respect, but the King of Glory came down to a stable to save mankind and give salvation for all. Oh, that's Semper Fidelis. That's always faithful. I will sing of my Redeemer and his precious love for me. On a cruel cross he suffered, paid the debt and made me free. Sing, oh sing. That's what I would say to the next one that builds up valor in combat. Amen. That's why they can say, leave no man behind. Comes into play here with the Marines. It's burned into their being. and It becomes part of really who they are. Far be it from an earthly army corps to have more valor, more loyalty, more comradeship, more faithfulness than the armies of the living God. That's why each one of us, young, old, middle-aged, teenage, you need to be walking down the hallway at school. You say, how are you doing? Semper Fidelis? Faithful? Loyal? Or are you just pretending? We don't need feigned loyalty. Not feigned loyalty. Because what happens there after a time, I don't even have time to get into it, that, that manifests itself. So if you need loyalty, you need to pledge allegiance, not to no flag, but to the word. Maybe it's in your bedroom. You say, Lord, I need that. Semper Fidelis. Eternal. What a great example we had. John 15, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I have much more, but I'm going to... But Ryan, is he here? I didn't even see him, but it is. I know if he's here. If he is here, he can come and get ready. If he's not, I'll wait. Ah, is he here, Warren? Okay, I need some musicians, though. That's fine. But Branham says, Oh, no, just one second. What would our desire be? What should our response be? I just thought as we went through all that he has done for you and me to show his loyalty, to show his faithfulness, to show his goodness. It's no servant relationship. It's no slave relationship. It's an I want to do all I can for you, Lord. But Abraham says, I want to know him now. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me. Let me stand, let me stand here, Lord, against everything that's called wrong, everything that looks wrong. I don't care what anyone says. Let me stand, Lord. When I've done all I can do, help me stand. Take my hand and pull me through it, Lord. Do something. Let me stand when then things come and the treasures of this world and all this pomp and glory blind my eyes. Let me only see him who died for me. If it costs every friend I got, if it costs everything I got, that don't mean one thing. I surrender it all on the altar. 
That's it. Let me stand loyal. And someday when the breasts are blowing against my face, I know that my heart's gone and my days are finished and my time's come and the card's taken from the rack. I don't want to cross Jordan alone. He said, he'll be there. Oh, I want to be able to, if I had to, if I had to cross that way, I don't want to stand it alone neither. Because you and I have a faithful one, an always loyal one, who's there no matter the situation, no matter the difficulty, no matter the cost, he's there. And I wanted Brother Ryan to sing the song, the name of the song, I Shall Not Fear, because he's with me. And I know I just was listening it to while I was studying, and I just said, Lord, indeed, why can't I, I shouldn't fear nothing. As David wrote a psalm, I feel no evil for he is with me. Why? Because he's always loyal. He's always faithful to you who's faithful to the word. Those that were with David that were following the anointed king of the day, they didn't have a worry or fear. They just followed valiantly, ready to fight, ready to stand because their king was before them. And you and I have no fear because our king is before us. Amen, but Ryan, you go ahead and sing that for us. God who 
of you because he'll always be faithful to you because amen i have it in my notes he's been faithful there's a song that was saying he's been faithful to me and i thought who could testify here i actually wrote down in my notes who could testify here i said david in the darkest of times when you felt all alone he was faithful to you i wrote down here dad in your darkest moment of pain and agony he was faithful to you you didn't fear because he was with you amen brother tim dodd you went through some dark moments but he was faithful to you he's loyal to his people Sister Margaret, when you were just a little girl, you're down in the Caribbean and your heart was burning for God. He was faithful to you to bring someone by your way, to bring a brother Roy by your way, to bring you to Toronto, to bring you to, to, to Vancouver. Why? Because he's loyal. Who is he faithful to? John's faithful to you in 2012 when he got a hold of your heart. Brother Curtis, he was faithful to you when he picked you up out of the muck and the mire and opened your eyes to see the word of God. 
He's faithful. He's faithful to you, Abraham, in a camp when he met you in a skit. He's faithful to you, Brother Mike, Sister Debbie, called you out of the east to bring you here to support this body. He's faithful to you, Joel, when he brought Ron Spencer by your way. He's faithful to Andrew Spencer when he brought Tom Ray his way. He's a faithful God. And he's still faithful. He's still faithful, Brother Darren. He's still faithful, Brother Richard. He's still faithful, Sister Julia. He's loyal. He knows. He's faithful, Jariah. I could call every one of your names out. He's faithful, Michael Ray. I want to be one of those standing loyal like a mighty man and mighty woman of valor. I rode down. I said, why would anybody? I'd want to put my back, put David behind me. If I was one of them, I would maybe if I was Ete the Gittite. Or maybe I was one of those son of a dodo or something like that. I put my back and say, David, I'm going to protect you. <laughs> You'd be like, it's okay. I took Goliath. I don't need all the protection. But I'm glad you're with me. But you know what? Some people instead of wanting to put their back up and their shoulder against the word of God and be loyal to the king of glory. They're loyal to some addiction. They're loyal to some bitterness. They're loyal to some pleasure or some complex or something. Why do you want to die on that mountain? scripture that says for me to live scripture says one thing but I said I wonder if people they're living for something else they're, they're loyalty to something else for me to live for, for, for me to live is pride and to die is destruction for me to live is my pleasurable it's addiction for me to live is the bitterness that I hold on to for me to live is my complex and to die is destruction but no I said oh God tonight let's put our, our backs to the word of God our loyalty is, oh, I want to be like a mighty man. I want to be like Ruth, who said, where you go, I go. Like it says, as the Lord God liveth, I'm going with you, David. That's all I can say then for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I choose the word. I choose holiness. I choose righteousness. Being a die. Stand with your David. Stand with our word of God. Not man, not church, not family, not friend, not foe. The word of God. Amen. I won't hold you no longer. But maybe it's appropriate. I could, we could sing. I pledge allegiance. Not to no flag, but to the Lamb. Amen. I have heard how Christians sing this like an anthem sing this exactly who you are a mighty woman and man of valor from the kingdom of God they were told that he he would spare their lives oh if they would renounce the name
Heavenly Father, tonight I pray that is on indeed the very soul cry, the groaning of our heart. Lord, we don't pledge to no flag. We don't pledge to no king, no country here on earth, but we pledge to the King of glory, the one who holds eternity. That's where our pledge is. That's where our oath is. That's where our promise is. That's where our life is, oh God. Lord, if there's somebody here tonight who can't say that's where their loyalty lies is in the Word of God. Lord, Lord may they not leave the, this place. May they not leave the presence of Almighty God until, Lord, they've made sure their calling and election is sure because, Lord, you are coming, as your scripture says, as a thief in the night. And, Lord, we want to be all prepared, ready, for, Lord, you're going to come and sweep your loyal bride away. So, we, Lord, I pray you take your people listened and Lord responded attentively Lord we just rejoice around your word we, we all love it oh God love to speak of your goodness and your faithfulness so Lord may you be glorified in everything Lord that was done tonight may it be glory to your name go with your people dismiss us now in your presence in Jesus Christ's name amen amen God be with you walk out of here Maybe nudge the shoulder of each other and say, Semper Fidelis, always faithful, our God. Amen. God be with you. You're going to dismiss in Jesus Christ's name.